podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yes, guys, welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. I'm Sai. This is your Football News Weekly, where we're going to talk all the news and stories, the rumours, everything like that from the world of football, but more so the, the kind of top level, top leagues, Europe, Premier League, we'll talk some Saudi moves, stuff like that. We'll, we'll talk anything you want to talk about as well, from the regards to questions, stuff like that. If you're not already, Please consider signing up to be a member. Patreon.com slash Ace Podcast Nation absolutely keeps the channel going. Um, and I believe if it's not up there now, we'll be up there shortly. You can have a seven-day free trial as well. We have the Monday shows, which is members only, where we just literally, we talk about anything which has been in the news that week. Could be football, could be sport, could be anything. And uh, we talk about it. Sometimes we end up talking about stuff you're not allowed to talk about anymore, but we still talk about it. We look at it from all different angles, and it's always a good time. We have a good old chat, myself, Reese, and all uh, the members in the live chat. It's always a good time. And, uh, yeah, keeps the, keeps the lights on, as the people say. But uh, tonight, it's all about football. Big shout-out to the Sports Social Podcast network where they uh they have all our audio shows under the different names that this will be under the rodri gigs on football feed but um you know you can find it all there it's all there my story including my story got another belting show coming out on saturday by the way my story uh with uh dj producer rapper mc uh rob picton but other people will know him as joe blow and uh the man did not hold back had some stuff to get off his chest it was very interesting fun chat reliving my youth in some aspects as well but uh it was definitely a fun time uh so check that out that's out on 12 o'clock saturday got any questions get them in got anything you want to talk about in particular obviously tell me um i'm gonna try not to repeat stuff which we talked about yesterday as best i can but obviously if people ask questions about it we will of course chat about it but uh there's been a few bits and pieces lots going on this week as ever a couple more moves to the Saudi Arabian League. Manchester United have replaced David De Gea with uh, Anana completing his signing. Burnley signed Manchester City's third-choice keeper, who's never played a Premier League game, for £19 million, which is absolutely insanity. Um, and, yeah, we'll have a good old chit-chat about any and everything. Um, Wayne Rooney is uh, in America doing a very good job by all accounts. Still got a lot to say. Luton have signed a couple of players. It's interesting. It's all hotting up. Spurs played today and um, all I saw was like, I don't know what the final score was and stuff. Um, I'll see if I can find it actually. But at one point, I think they were like 2-0 down um, and it was poor, shall we say. The people were not happy on social media anyway. Um, I'll see if I can find that. I don't know because I have friendlies. They don't mean the results don't mean a lot. 
But I mean, I think people would have been expecting, you know, new manager who's very highly rated, going to have an instant impact. But Tottenham Hotspurs, I can't find anything, so I don't know what that was. Uh, I'll have a look in a minute. And then we'll see. Obviously, Tuesday nights we have a sort of championship show, predominantly talk about Cardiff, but we do also talk about other things. So um, it was quite an interesting one for me yesterday um, because I wanted to talk about the Forest Green stuff. Uh, was it a PR stunt, exactly? And as I was going into the show, I spoke to a few people about it. And like in the afternoon, I was like, I'm going to have a bit of a rant about this PR stunt. It's not good, etc. But I came across this article on. Um, football 365 and it kind of changed my opinion on it completely and we kind of read through it a bit bits of it in the in the show and um the feedback was kind of similar to what i was feeling and kind of looked at it from a completely different different um different angle and actually probably wasn't a pr stunt she was brought in to do a job she did the job and then she went back to her academy job as long as she was aware that that was the case, which I'm assuming she was, because she didn't apply for the full-time managerial position, what's the problem? If it was a male, say, and I use Darren Purse as the example, say when Cardiff sacked their manager, Darren Purse stepped in from his under-23 manager job, took control of the first team, particularly in pre-season when there's nothing going on, there's no games, just the day-to-day sort of stuff. She did that. If, you know, if she was a male, no one would have batted an eyelid. Um, she did her job as long as she was aware that it was never going to be like for a competitive game and stuff like that, so that she was able to show potentially what she was capable of. I think it's fine. Um, Reese says, after all the talks about gay rights and the one love armband, and Jordan Henderson brought up, uh, is it is it hypocritical going to Saudi now where, let's be honest, he won't be allowed to voice those views? Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of caught between two things. It's so I'll use Alexander Mitrovic right as a as an example. You know, he's not on terrible money. He's not living week to week trying to pay his rent. Okay, but there's a difference. He hasn't earned as much as the top 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 level players. He's done all right. He's got a very very comfortable life. But he hasn't earned, you know, like the Ronaldo level money or the United level money or whatever. So he's done all right. He's probably not going to have to work. But, you know, he's getting offered like somewhere between 300 grand to 500 grand a week plus a signing on bonus. That's like generational wealth that changes the life of not just you and your family and your kids, it's their kids and their families and, and everything. Like it's such a incredible amount of money that I almost can see why these players are like, do you know what? I'm going to take that money, even if it's only for, it ends up being for like a year or whatever. Jordan Henderson's won everything with Liverpool. He's won the Champions League. He's won the Premier League. He's probably not going to be first choice in that midfield. So he's going to be on the bench a lot next year for Liverpool because they're having a bit of a, a rejig. So can you blame them for taking the money? Like, look at Mitrovic. Fulham are asking for fifty-two million for him. Jordan Henderson has just gone for twelve. Like, I think it's very like uh, problematic, and I don't know whether it's better to take the money 
or to like should should Jordan Henderson turn down generational wealth to stand on his morals and I guess it comes down to two things one were they actually like precisely what he thinks or was it something which was fed to him by the FA and stuff to say so if he doesn't think as strongly about it as he seemed to come out and speak about maybe he's not that bothered maybe it was fed to him by the FA because they were you know they had the big sub uproar about wearing the one love armband and stuff, stuff like that and he had to back him as one of the senior players I don't know so what I guess what I'm saying is if they were his morals like in his like he thinks that strongly of it I have no idea if he does or he doesn't he's spoken about it quite a lot over the years so I would assume he probably has got a fairly strong opinion on it then maybe I don't, I just don't know. I like, you know, Gary Neville has spoken quite, you know, against these sort of regimes and, and human rights and stuff like that. But then he went and worked in Qatar and with the, the thing that, uh, you know, you can't change it from the outside or something like that. But I mean, ultimately it comes down to money, I think. And is he a hypocrite? I'm not sure. I probably is a bit hypocritical, isn't it? It is a bit. Um, but I, and I also would say is comparing Mitrovic to Jordan Henderson is vastly different as well, because I think Jordan Henderson has earned a lot more money from football than Alexander Mitrovic. And ultimately, when he got offered that big money deal, Liverpool sold him for next to nothing. Fulham... You know, Mitrovic is in fact it was reported today. He said he'll never play for the club again. Why well, what I would be interested in is if Chelsea or Man United come in for Mitrovic and Fulham accept the deal, would would Mitrovic take that money, which wouldn't be as much, but it would still be a pay rise, I guess. Or is he holding out for that obscene amount? from Saudi I don't blame these players for doing it you know I've got um, I'm sure I've got a list somewhere like all of the different let's see if we've got it sign-ins like there's some mad names on there let's see if I can bring it up now so 20 years so it looks like uh, on that Tottenham thing I said looks like Tottenham played a uh, friendly yeah two down tuesday lost three two and like they were two nil down in 20 minutes they scored a couple of second half and then but i know my my mate is a spurs fan he's quite worried about it he thinks that they could have a really tough season and he also thinks but then he also thinks that harry mcguire harry kane is going to end up going to manchester united later in the window with harry mcguire coming the other way so i mean maybe he's not the best judge of Spurs, he's a bit, he's been broken over the years, I think is probably the best way to describe it. Um, all the sign-ins to the Saudi Arabian League. Let's have a look. See what we got. Done deals and players linked to the Saudi, Saudi transfer tracker on ESPN. That looks like, the, that looks like a page, doesn't it? Um, 
Reese says, don't get me wrong, I totally understand the money side of things. Um, more so now he's old. But I think maybe when he said it, it was done for PR reasons more than personal views. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's like, as one of the senior players in the FA uh, or in the England squad, and like, these players are fair told what to say a lot of the time. And let's be honest, that's why the Andy Campbell football show on a Monday was so popular, was because you got to speak to footballers and ask them questions and they weren't in this media mode where they're just basically told what to say and you have the same old boring questions and answers. So, full list of players, uh, or at least a fairly the big names, I guess. June the 6th, Karim Benzema went from Madrid to El Etihad on a free transfer. You had Angola Kante from Chelsea to El Etihad on a free transfer. Ruben Neves, uh, Wolves to El Halal for $60 million or 55 million euros. Uh, Kudabali, Chelsea to El Halal. El Halal made some signings, haven't they? Uh, £17 million. Pound. Uh, Chelsea goalkeeper Edward Mendy went to El Al. Al Hilly, I, I apologize for bad pronunciation, 16 million pounds. Stephen Gerrard has coached El Havik. Um, I'm sure he's not being paid in peanuts. Uh, Brozovic from Inter Milan to Al Nasir for 18 million euros. Jota from Celtic to El Hatid for 25 mil. Firmino from Liverpool to El Helal for a free transfer. Milankovic Savage, that was a big surprise to me. So Milankovic Savage went from Lazio to El Hilal. He has literally been linked with every single Premier League, like all the big Premier League clubs over the last five years, every single one of them, from City, United, Liverpool, Arsenal. So he could have had his pick of clubs across Europe. He's 28. There's a few clubs, Liverpool looking for midfielders, United looking for midfielders, and he's gone there. At quite a young age, like 28, he's still got a lot to give. Fofana from Lons to El Nasir for 25 Euro, million euros, 28-year-old 28 Ivory Coast International again, you know, at the peak. Some of these are ongoing um, talks or rumoured talks. You've got Neymar to El Hilal. Look, Neymar's 31. He's made so much money. I'm not sure he needs more. But the problem he's got, so Neymar, I think, is a different one. The problem Neymar's got is he earns so much. Same with Mbappe in some ways. They earn so much at Paris. Even the biggest clubs in the world, United's, your Madrid's, etc., Barcelona's and Man City's, whatever, they can't afford the wages that they want. So it makes sense for a 31-year-old Neymar to go to Saudi, I think, or America. But Saudi's getting all these players who would have gone to America. Neymar... Uh, Zigic from Chelsea to El Nasir. Obviously, failed a medical, I think, at that. But Bernardo Silva uh, to Al Hilal. Saul um, from Atletico Madrid. Again, crazy to me. Wilfred Zaha, 30 year old winger. Like, so again, with him, he had his stint at United and he didn't get a chance. If I was him at 30 on a free transfer, I'd be looking to go to. Arsenal, United, Liverpool, etc. Or if those deals weren't on, maybe Syria or try a different league. So why not? If he can't get a move to a big top six Premier League club to prove his point, basically, because they think he didn't get a fair crack of the whip at United, 
for whatever reason. So if I was him, I'd want to prove myself at the top level. However, if none of those moves are on to the top six, then and you're going to move abroad, then why not go and get $38 million a year he's getting paid? But apparently he's going to reject it and go to Paris. Well, uh, Buffon from Parma to an unnamed club. Uh, Pogba, again, Pogba's had a nightmare with injuries these last few years. He's 30. He's on high wages. They've offered him 100, 100 million euros a year plus bonuses. Why wouldn't he take that? Jordan Henderson obviously is done now. Fabinho is another one. Looks like he's going to go. Um, Alain Maxen, I thought someone asked about that. Um, what's your thoughts on, uh, Reese says, what's your thoughts with Sat Maximan's deal to Sai? Newcastle needed to raise 30 million for Harvey Barnes and the Saudi club owners. The Saudi club, the owners also own a bid 30 million. This is what I said weeks ago, mate, isn't it? Dodgy as fuck. So you've got Newcastle needed to bring money in from sales. So the club they own, the owners own. Makes a 30 million, 30 million pound bid, coincidentally, for St. Maximin. Everyone's happy. To me, it's, this is a problem. I've got no problem with all these players going for money. Don't care about that. What I care about is the integrity of the competitions. So if you've got Newcastle's owners owning the club in Saudi, and every time they need to raise some money for financial fair play to make it add up, they sell someone. That's a problem to me. And this is the other thing, right, man, is when they run out of players, first-team players that they're willing to let go of, what, will they sign academy players for ridiculous money? And unfortunately, Man City have set a bit of a precedent with this guy we're going to talk about from who's gone to Burnley for £19 million. He's never played a Premier League game. So Newcastle can always point to that and say, well, he's potential. Um and of course, why can't they loan him back to Newcastle? <laughs> Ropey man. And then you had the Chelsea thing where one of the Saudi investment fund is got uh, got share, shares in Clear Lake, who own Chelsea. It all becomes, and Chelsea needed to sell players quick and get money in quick for the financial fair play. And suddenly you've got four Chelsea players gone to Saudi. Look, it might just be coincidence, but, you know, come on. I think the Newcastle one by there, which you mentioned there, really stinks, Smith. Got to be honest. It's a problem. Alex Tellez has gone as well from United for like four million, but he'll be getting an absolute boatload of cash. Um, Riyad Mahrez, of course, looks like he's gone. Again, it's crazy. But these guys, some of these guys have, you know, like in Mahrez's case, they he's won everything there is to win. So why not? go and get like one massive massive huge payday to just you know finish your career by making an absolute boatload um i think he's getting something like 35 million a year mares i think i read which is obscene man it's such a lot of ridiculous amount of money but it's like If you've got kids and a wife, right, take out the fact they're already pretty rich, okay? If you've got kids and a wife, can you look them in the eye 
and say, if you're Riyad Mahrez, say, and you've won everything, just won the treble, can you look your family in the eye and say, I'm going to turn down 400 grand a week, 500 grand a week, whatever, because I want to win more trophies and medals that I've already got. When you know you're in the end of your career, probably playing a lot off the bench because of your age. Can you justify that to your family, really? I, I think it's difficult, no matter how much money you've got, because it's like it's almost like it's the difference between being, you know, very rich and well off for the rest of your life and literal generational wealth. And I think that is a bit of a game changer in terms of you're talking like these Premier League footballers who are at Man City on obscene money, like doubling their wages, plus the signing on fee, plus all the bonuses they'll get for going there and promoting the Saudi League. Like, it's just, it's such a ridiculous amount of money. I just don't think you can criticise anybody for turning it down. I think the only one I'd be, or the only ones I'd be a little bit critical of is if players are going there young, like, say, if Mbappe went there, like, he's already on that sort of generational wealth money. So he's already got that. And at his age and his ability, he should want to go and, you know, win Champions Leagues and, and trebles and doubles and, and league titles outside of France. Like, he should have that ambition. But then, you know, it's a job to these guys. And if you can get paid... Like, if I said to you, like, we're going to, you know, you can go and move to this place and you can, like, earn ridiculous amounts of money, like, tripling, traveling, quadrupling, and or more of your wages for the same job, but you've got to go and live somewhere else. Most people, I think, would do it. Most people. Reese says that um, Newcastle can legally loan St. Maximum back to Newcastle cover his wages there's something really wrong with that yeah there is it's just it doesn't feel right mate does it it's got to be said it doesn't does not feel right um it's just something icky about it but it's where we are mate unfortunately it's just uh yeah it's just it's where we are at the moment and i'm not sure i just don't think there's anything which the fa can really do to stop it at the moment like, unless there's like a rule breaches i do think fifa is gonna have to step in at some point and there's gonna have to kind of because i was listening to something the other day i can't remember who it was and they were saying that they think that within five years the saudi teams will have bought their way into the champions league like the U european cup effectively um and I think it might have been Simon Jordan was talking to this person and he said, so what you've got to do is you've got to, um, you can't have it both ways. So if they want to kind of get into that side, like the European type of competitions, if you like, you have to bring in financial fair play constraints within their league. And the other side of it, you know what the, I was thinking about today is how do the young Saudi players who are coming through the academies and the teams there, how do they feel? Because they aren't anywhere near the money that all these players are coming in on. Nowhere near it. Like, and I think that can cause an issue as well. 
because these guys are not getting anywhere near that money, which means they're going to have to bring in some sort of thing with the wages. Maybe they bring like a, not a wage cap, a minimum wage so that, you know, you're, the 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 local talent if you like the players who come through the systems there they kind of just I don't know, like they come through and and they do their thing and I don't know it's, it's such a difficult one it really is because if they've got the money which they do why can't they spend it on building their league but to me, the, the big problem with it, the only problem with it for me is the potential compromising of the integrity of tournaments like the Premier League or the Champions League, where you have team Saudi teams who are owned by Premier League team like Newcastle, effectively helping Newcastle get around any financial fair play restrictions by just buying players and then either loaning them back or just buying them. And, you know, it's just so happens that it's the exact amount of money that you need to buy Harvey Barnes, but without, you know, causing a problem with your own financial fair play restrictions. So I don't know where I stand with it all. It's, it's all a bit thing. Um, I saw a comment. Where was it? Uh, when does the bubble burst, though? They can use this to promote their league all they want, but buying foreign and not promoting and investing in youth will only damage them in the long haul. Well, by all accounts, Med, supposedly, um, their, their local talent, they have a lot of money into the kind of like the academies and the every team's got an academy and a, and a youth set up. So over the last couple of years, they have invested in that side. And that's what I was saying. I think they'll have to bring in a, a minimum wage so that when you get into the first team or something, because otherwise you're going to have a major problem because if you're bringing in all these players, it's not just a, like discrepancy in wages, is it? You know, it's not like you're on 200 grand a week and I'm on 150. You're talking players on 500 grand a week. And then the, the teenager who's been with the club all his life and come through the system, it could be on like 200 grand a week. You know, it's like, like you know, it's tax free though. Two hundred quid a week, tax free. Come on now. Yeah, it's wild. Um, a good report that the Germans put in laws. So there's a fifty-one rule where I think fans own fifty-one percent of each club. It would put off big billionaire owners. We didn't do it here and open the floodgates. Yeah, it is that, isn't it? It's a bit problematic. Imagine being a promising striker, though, um, and then you see Benzema's just saying, you know you won't make it then, and no one outside the Saudi league will take a player serious. However, like, look at it another way, right? Is Benzema can't play twice a week. Benzema, you know, probably can't even play. I wouldn't have thought, like, you know, every every week, 90 minutes at his age. He's kind of going there to finish his career. So you get to train with one of the best strikers of all time every day. You get to learn from them. Um, you get to see how they can, you know, how they finish, how they train, how they look after themselves. I think there is something to be said about 
these players helping the young players in Saudi and, and bringing the level up in terms of, I don't know what the standard is, but like, if you think of like, um, like think of it like when Bellamy came to Cardiff, everything in terms of the professionalism of training facilities, everything improved because players, you know, the players started looking after themselves. Jay Bothroyd said on this channel, when Bellamy came in and he saw him with his own personal trainer, looking after what he was eating, looking after his knees and how he conducted himself in training, it changed his whole outlook on how he was, uh, how he looked after his own body to the point where Jay Bothroyd ended up playing in Japan quite late. He, I think he, I don't even know if he might still be going or if he finished last year, but like well into his you know late thirties, but he doesn't think he would have done that if he hadn't changed the way he looked after himself and and like went towards training. So whilst I get what you're saying, Reese, about you know if you're a promising striker and they've just signed um, Benzema, you might be like, oh my god, how am I going to get a chance? But I think there is there is a chance. But you're right; it's not just Benzema. Is it? There's five or six other big names. But I think. It depends. Maybe they should have a limit on, you know, like the old style, um, like we used to have in this country with you could only have like you, you had to have a certain amount of homegrown players in your team. So maybe they have a limit of you have to have five homegrown players and five signings from around the world or six, sorry. And then, you know, like kind of do it that way because then you're trying to improve your local talent whilst also bringing in the big names to grow. And I think, I've got to be honest, like a week ago, um, I was kind of like, yeah, no one's going to watch the Saudi league, are they? Like, But I have heard from a few people now, people who would know as well, that um, like the, the influx of viewers just from Ronaldo moving was quite massive in terms of what was watching before. So if you add all of these names in as well, I think there's there will be a, an interest in it. I'll probably watch a bit of Saudi football this year when I you know with it's on and it's on and I'm about like, I'll watch a bit, see what the standards like and stuff like that. Like there's gonna be a kind of like a bit of a morbid kind of curiosity to it, I think, isn't there? I, you can't avoid that. Um Oh, my screen's just frozen. I, let me know if I'm still on. Uh, my computer screen just went. It's up. So let me know. I think I am. I think it's good. I think we're good. It's, it's, it's such a... It's quite a complex subject, isn't it? For like something which shouldn't be massively complex. But for me, personally, like I'm, you know, I'm not from Saudi. So the kind of the growth of their youth system, if you like, and local talent. It doesn't affect me, but I could see why it could be a problem if it's not done right. However, again, I will say it, the problem I have got is integrity of competitions, and I think we've got a bit of a problem with that already. Rear its head, I think it's fair to say, with the Chelsea thing, now with this Newcastle thing. Like... It's there, isn't it? It's, you can't avoid it. 
And that's where the FA, FIFA, they've got to do their jobs. They've got to make sure that there's nothing. They've got to make sure everything's above board. I don't even know how they go about doing that because how do you prove it? I think we joked about it before, didn't we? Like, um, if the Qatar, the the money comes from the same pot as such, so it's like FIFA or FIFA or the FAs go to them and say, um, "Have you paid for Mbappe? Have you met?" And they go, "Yeah, yeah, definitely." And they say, "Oh, can we see it?" But it's like it's coming from the same bank account, so it's like eh. it's very, very difficult. It's very difficult to police, and I can't really. I just don't see it changing. It's, I just that's what it comes down to. Ultimately, I think it's it's here to stay for the time being, and we've got to just sort of suck it up and get on with it. Um, the answer for me is when. Um, so when we get, you know, they, when they undoubtedly want to join the Champions League and the rest of these things, is. That's when FIFA have to be strong and they have to go, right, if you're looking to join the FIFA Club World Cup, say, or whatever, if you're looking to do that, you have to, you have to have a play, you know, you have to have a wage cap and you have to meet certain criteria to be able to do that. Otherwise, it's not, you know, you just can't. Um, It is what it is. So, um, Let's have a look. Yeah, you can still see me. Good. Uh, I'm calling now. In 2030, the World Cup will be granted to Saudi. Infantino will still be the head of FIFA, a few million richer, and be saying, today I feel gay. I feel disabled all over again. Yeah, I'd be amazed if the, they don't get a World Cup soon. i got to be honest. I just would not. I'd be amazed, mate. Honestly, um, I think it's pretty, almost obvious that they're going to get a World Cup, but is what it is. Um, what do we think of Andre Inanna to Manchester United? Is that a good replacement for De Gea? It's, do you think he's the right replacement for De Gea? Is he right for Ten Hag system? How do you all feel about that? Do you think it's a good one? I think. Um, I think you've while you've you've got like Arsenal spending mad amount of money. Chelsea just want to sign everyone, as we know. Um, City are kind of spending a lot again, which we knew they would. Um, I've been quite impressed, like Ten Hag and United, the way they've gone because they're normally so bad in the transfer market, so bad. They take ages and and it's like drawn out and they overpay and like this year it seems feels different. And to me, like, it was obvious like. De Gea had to go. He'd been a tremendous servant. I think the way he was treated right at the end was probably a bit poor. But ultimately, I thought, I think it was time for him to go. And I think Onana, the only other option for me was Diego Diogo Costa. And I think he was a bit more pricey. But everyone thought United were going to spunk like 100 million on Kane or Osserman and then that was going to be all their budget and they'd have to make do with Maguire and Fred and McTomney and, and De Gea again this season but they'd have a striker so they'd still sort of improve and I've been quite impressed that instead of doing that he's gone do you know what 
no, we need a new keeper to play the way I want to play. Do you know what? We need to improve our midfield options because it looks like they're going to get Amrabat as well. So if you add Amrabat and Mant to the Casemiro, Bruno and Ericsson and the youngster, I forget his name, Kobe Mainu, I think, and you get rid of McTominay and Fred, you get rid of Maguire, even if they just sign Johnny Evans as fourth choice, I think that's a massive upgrade to in terms of their tactics. So basically, it looks like within the next few weeks, two weeks, say, Ten Hag will have done all his shopping for the squad. The squad will have been vastly improved, but they won't have a number nine. So say Harry Kane is still at Spurs at that point and they can't come to a deal with Hoyland. I can see why they would get everyone in for the squad because their squad looks... If they get Amrabat as well, I'm assuming, and they get a defender, whether it's Johnny Evans or someone else in for Maguire, that squad is so balanced. If you look at the options for different positions and the mix of experience and youth and youngsters, um, experience, youth, technical, everything in the midfield, the wing and the, the wide options they've got. The Look, if they could go into the first game of the season and play Rashford through the middle and still be fine. Not ideal, but it's fine. I think worst case scenario, if you're a United fan, is they bring in Amrabat and then they bring in... Um, like a stopgap striker, striker who's just there for a season or till January with Rashford playing through the middle, Martial now and again, and this stop duck. I think it was Tarimi they were linked with, who had a pretty good World Cup. He's like 31 or something, but he could do a job better than Veghorst, certainly. But their squad is such a good balance of what they needed, and they're so strong in each position that I can see them doing really well because as I've said before I've been impressed I think the signings Arsenal have made are exceptional on paper but I still stand by there's no guarantee that Declan Rice is going to work out because it's like playing a different position to what he's been doing previously um, Gaz says Unana is a great signing ideal yeah it's exactly what Ten Hag wants and needs in this, the way he plays like, De Gea just couldn't do the job. Like, I watched a clip of um, one of their pre-season friendlies and, like, Tom Heaton came out to, like, the halfway line to sweep up. Like, you'd never see De Gea doing that. And then um, they had the young keeper who was on, long, on loan at Sparta Prague last year and he was, like, pinging these balls around and it was, like, you could see why De Gea just doesn't fit that system. He was a tremendous servant to him, but I think Onana, I thought I was so impressed with him. Every time I watched him last year, I thought he was excellent. Reese says, Bruno was captain, though, ahead of Varane, the same Bruno who kept asking, oh, come on, mate, don't, don't, um, don't buy into the fake news, mate. He never asked to come off. It's been proven, like, over and over again. Um, everyone had a bad day that day. Um, to me, Bruno Fernandez, I would be, um, I he would have been my captain, I think, um, because since Fergie left, he's been their best signing. He's available every single game. 
The players, uh, his teammates all love him. His output didn't suffer when he was captain because he was captain for like all of like the games except I think eight or something last year because Maguire didn't play. And you know, his output was still, you know, amazing. Um, I accept that there's, you know, you've got a Varane. The problem with Varane is like he doesn't, he won't play like 40 games. You'll only probably play between 25 and maybe 30 if you're lucky because he picks, he does pick up injuries. And I think you don't want to be in the same boat where your captain is on the bench again or your captain's not playing. So I can see why. He's also, yeah, I think that's the main reason. But there was a couple of options, I think, for captain. Like you could have gone with Luke Shaw, I thought was a quite a good good shout. Um, Casemiro, although Casemiro's only really just got there. And of course, again, he's a bit fiery and he, and, and he gets sent off. But I could see, well, he doesn't speak English, so Casemiro is the problem as well. So how can he, can he communicate with his teammates as well as you'd want your captain to be able to? I understand why people question Bruno Fernandes as captain. All I can tell you is that every United fan I speak to loves him. He works hard. He works hard for the team, plays in whatever position the manager wants. He's always available. His teammates love him and he's, his output is unreal. If, it, if he'd had a striker in front of him last year, played like a proper number nine, his assists would have probably, he probably had another 10 assists last season. He created so many chances. Um, I think he's in his position is up there with the very, very best in the world. Um, but I actually think there's a chance in some games next year that he will play as a number eight alongside Casemiro and Mount will play in number 10. I think they'll move it about a bit. Sometimes they'll play with just Casemiro as a pivot and they'll have, or Amrabat, and they'll play Mount and Bruno as a like 4-3-3, traditional 4-3-3. Sometimes they'll play 4 2 one uh, four, two, three, one, and they'll have Mount as ten. You know, in in a big game, say against like a Liverpool or something, they might even play with Amrabat and Casemiro, Bruno on the right, Mount in the middle, Rashford off the left, and whoever. Like they they could be so solid, and that's what I was saying about the the balance of the squad. I think looks a lot better this year. But I do accept what you're saying, Varane. You know, he's played at that very very top, same as Casemiro. You know, they've won everything, they've played at everything. I think it was always going to go to Bruno. I think it was clear that that was the case. I don't know who the vice captain is. I don't think they've named the vice captain. Um, but it is what it is, isn't it? Like, I'm not even sure captains matter as much as they used to, you know? Um, but I guess we'll see. So, yeah, I think Arsenal have done tremendous business. But I think there's question marks still over a couple of them in terms of how they adapt and stuff. But there's there's always question marks when teams, you know, when you have big, big moves and they come to different countries. Oh, Nana, you know, even though he's played with Ten Hag before, so he knows his system, he's played with Martinez before, it's still different. The Premier League's different. People will, you know, look at what happened to De Gea when he signed. People targeted him, giving him a shove. Um, and like, do you know, just on Harry Maguire, like he got stripped of the captaincy. I just, 
to me, and this is only my personal opinion, Harry Maguire comes across as super arrogant. And like the fact that he made the like he made the statement about the captaincy being taken off him, he didn't wait for the club to do it. I do think he's contributed to a lot of his own problems, the stuff in Greece and like the problem with that is he was throwing around like I'm the Man United captain to the place as if that's supposed to mean something when you've just been involved in some sort of altercation, altercation in, in a foreign country. Um, his performances have been terrible for two years for United. And when he came out with that stuff about how he's got nothing to prove, it was just embarrassing. Um, and to me, I can't see why he's not pushing for a move. Like he seems to be indicating he wants to stay at United. The Euros next summer. And if he doesn't get himself out of there, he will lose his place in the England squad. Because there's already better defenders than him. I'd pick Levi Colwell over him all day long. I'd probably pick Lewis Dunk over him, but I'm Leroy Colwell all day long, the way England play football. If he doesn't, if he sits on a bench at United out of stubbornness or because he wants to, you know, he wants to get paid the Bible that he's getting paid, you've really got to question his motivations as a footballer because everybody knows that at the as it, as it stands, if United don't bring anybody else in, he is fifth choice. Because if if Martinez is out, Luke Shaw will play on the left of central defence. If Varane is out, Lindelof will play. And I would question, like, surely, do you think they brought in Johnny Evans for the preseason games? Because he's only in there for preseason. So have they brought him in literally to give him to try and give Harry Maguire like the hint? Take the hint, mate. We don't want you. West Ham chucked in a, like a little cheeky loan bid. That was never going to happen. Everybody knows they got money. Everton could do with him, and I think he'd do well there. I think he'd do well with West Ham. I think both of them particularly suit him because they play quite a deep line. Anyone who plays a high line, I don't think. I think Maguire will have the same problems that he has now. If he can play with someone who plays a bit deeper, I think he'll... Be a, he's not a terror. He's a Premier League defender. He's just not a top six Premier League defender. Um, where else could he go? He could go. Chelsea want a central defender, but it's, apparently they want Mark Gui from back from Palace. Tottenham need defenders. That manager, the way he plays, I could see Maguire going there. However, I think, or certainly if I was the people doing the transfers at United, I'd be saying to Daniel Levy unless you're going to have a discussion about a deal which involves Harry Kane, don't even bother making a bid. That would be my response to them. And look, who else? Brighton, maybe, but I don't think he's good enough, to be honest. The way Brighton play football, I just don't think he's good enough to play that style. Um, who else is there? I don't think he fits in at Villa, the way they play. West, I think West Ham is the best move for him. Move to London. United would probably have to give him a chunk of money to pay his wages. But, you know, 
I think they've kind of come to terms with that probably anyway. It's outrageous, but it is what it is. Um, West Ham and he gum, he do well. They play a bit of a deeper line. David Moyes, the manager, loves him. I just think it's the perfect move for both West Ham and him. I actually think if West Ham was to bring in him and Scott McTomney, I think that's a good bit of business. Um, Everton in desperate need for a def- new defence. Uh, surely if no one will buy him, get him out on loan out of United and Everton gets someone who won't be targeted as much and United re-signing Johnny Evans. Uh, for me, Everton, recess, um, team fighting relegation, a rebuild, could be a leader for a new team, less pressure and not targeted for poor performances. I can see that, mate, but if I'm United, I ain't loaning them out. Not a fucking chance. Not a chance. I'd rather sit him on the bench and he can be fifth choice. Not my problem. I'm not. It's not my England career. If he's going to turn down moves because he wants to keep his wages, that's fine. But you're not going out on loan so you can sit on the bench all season. That's what I would do. But I like it depends what he's like in the dressing room. Like publicly, he kind of seems to say a lot of the right things in terms of. I'm going to fight for my place in the team, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't seem disruptive in that way. But you don't know what he's like behind closed doors, do you? Um, because, like, some of the comments he came up with last year, like, I've got nothing to prove after he's on the back of, like, these awful performances is horrendous. Um, remember how he informed you, how informed he was and how great he was before, um, before the Greece instance? Something must have happened out there. Yeah, I wouldn't say he was like amazing, but he was certainly his first season at United. He did all right, like he was decent, and he, you were like you felt like if he be, if he built on that, he could go on and be something. I also think giving him the captaincy was a mistake, but that's another Solskjaer mistake, really, because it's just one of them things, isn't it? Like. Um, yeah, I think Maguire is like, is just one of them. I don't think, I don't think the captaincy helped him. That's Solskjaer's fault. But also, I just think, apparently him and Ten Hag are still on good terms, the Manchester Evening News, News said today. So if that's the case, if he's going to turn down moves away from United, I would not, no way I would loan him unless he was disruptive. Um, just because it's just a waste of everyone's time. It doesn't suit anyone. United want him gone. If by September he's still there, do you still want to risk having a player and settle the changing room? No one might come in with a big enough offer for United to take serious. But United would take 25, 30 million for him easy. And um, ultimately, it's probably about all you're going to get. But this is the thing is if he's going to turn down moves because he's not getting going to get the wage he wants because he wants United to pay him off, basically, is United could call his bluff, is what I guess what I'm saying, by saying, that's fine, you can fight for your place. And then in September, if he's being disruptive, you, you just bin him up, like, just train with the reserves, mate, train with the kids. It's not their problem, like... It depends on, like, the man manager seems quite strong. 
maybe I'm biased because I don't like the way he's conducted himself in certain things, and I don't like some of the stuff he said, and he comes across as a bit arrogant, so maybe I'm being a bit harsh. Um, but I, I think West Ham is the best place. The manager, everything is well-suited to him, but it's whether they want to blow their budget on him. It, that's what it comes down to. Everyone knows they've got money. So then it's down to whether they want to spend it on Harry Maguire. Gaz, who is a West Ham fan, says Maguire to Saudi. How old is Harry? 29, 28, 30? And this is the... Th so I... Um, let me just check. Harry Maguire. Was he 29, 30? Gotta be any. I would I think Syria ah, could be a quite a good move. Look at how Chris Smallins revitalized his career by going to Italy. Uh Harry Maguire, he's 30 mid. Um so this is right. This is my problem with him. He's been stripped of the captaincy, he's barely played last year. He's been his form's been terrible. Yes, he's been playing for England. I would argue that he's been to blame for a couple of goals for England as well. But people tell me that he plays better for England or whatever. I don't watch England that much. But to me, he should be actively trying to get a move as soon as possible to get on pre-season with a new club to make sure he's in that Euros squad next year. Because it's probably his last tournament. He cannot afford to be on the bench at United or not even in the squad. Because there's also a danger that he doesn't make the squad. If Ten Hag likes Johnny Evans in these preseason games, they might offer him a year's contract. If he's in the squad, they're going to have Lindelof, who can play all across the back, and they're going to have Johnny Evans, who can play left-back and centre-back. Plus, then they're going to have Malassia and Delo, if you assume it's Shaw and... Uh, what's it called? And then who else have we got? So that's so they're not going to have Johnny Evans, Malassia, Lindelof, and Maguire on the bench for a Premier League game. They're not going to have four defenders. They just no team is going to do that. So in the pecking order, he's not. He might not even get on the bench for United week to week. Like he needs to get out of there for the good of his career. The manager doesn't fancy him. He doesn't suit the way the manager wants to play. The players don't trust him. Lindelof has shown when he got to play without him that he's a quality quality defender. He was just stuck with Harry Maguire. Um, Maguire's got to get himself out of there and get himself playing football for a team that suits his attributes. Uh, you said it's running the risk of another Phil Jones. I I don't know about that. I don't know because Phil Jones was in like was incapable of playing for large portions. I know that he turned down moves at certain times, but he was also kind of like incapable of playing at certain points. Right, let's have a look at the Premier League table. Right, Arsenal, very unlikely. Villa, so Arsenal and Villa. Unlikely because I don't think he suits the way they play. Bournemouth, maybe, maybe. Brentford, maybe. 
Brighton, I think they play too quick and technical for him. Burnley, absolutely, that would be a, a, a great move. Chelsea, I, th- I actually think he'd be good under Poch, even though I think he doesn't necessarily suit their style of play. I do think he'd be good for Poch because um, I think Poch would get the best out of him. Um, Crystal Palace, yes. Good move. Everton, yes. Fulham? Is Marco Silva still at Fulham? I think he is. Yeah, I'd say Fulham would be a good shout. Liverpool? Uh, Luton? Yes, absolutely. Be phenomenal. Him and Locklear at the back would be perfect for the way Luton play. And perfect for Luton trying to stay up. Uh, Manchester City, obviously not. Although they were, in, they were in for him back in when he went to United. So you never know. Newcastle? Very unlikely. Is he better than what they've got? But who have they got? Botman, Shah. I don't know. What about this? Straight swap. Harry Maguire for Callum Wilson. Helps both clubs out. What do you think? Tell me what you think in the comments. Uh, Forrest. He's probably better than what they've got a central centre back. Probably. I think um they got a good manager who could probably get the best out of him. Um Sheffield United, yeah, didn't I think he used to play at Sheffield United, didn't he? Back in the year, he came through at Sheffield United. So why not go back to the club? He's age 30. Why not go back to why not go back to um the club you started off, started at? To try and you know fix your career, final final bit of your career. Why not go back to the club you started and have a good season, getting the squad for the Euros? Would he get dropped from England if he was playing week in week out for Sheffield United? I don't think so, as long as he was playing well. Uh, Tottenham, I already said. I think that with that manager, I think he'd do quite well. And I also think Tottenham are crying out for some defensive. Um, reinforcements. West Ham, I think, is I still think they're the perfect play. Wolves, not sure that's a good fit. So there is clubs within the Premier League who are who look on paper like he would do quite well for them. And then you add in like Serie A clubs, stuff like that. And as guys in the comments suggested, why not have? Why not hire Maguire to Saudis? He's 30. Um, okay, right. Well, so anything else I was going to discuss before we um, before we leave? I'm trying to think if there was anything which caught my eye this week. Um, I'm trying to text my son. I apologise. He's out on the beers. Um. Right, oh, that was it, the Burnley. So, James Trafford, England under-21 goalkeeper, who you would have seen, uh, I think, an England under-29, uh, under-19's goalkeeper, sorry, um, actually. I think, um, obviously, they won the, was it the Euros, under-19 Euros or whatever it was, um, the other week with, a like, an injury time penalty save. He was... Um, fly on me. 
Uh, he made a great save. He's a very good keeper from what I've seen, but he's never made a Premier League appearance. And he's gone for 19 million to Burnley. I would assume that's the, the, the Vincent Company connection. I'd, I'd assume. Um, I mean, let's have a look. In Man City under 23s. He's only made two appearances for their under 23s. Ah, it's because he went on loan. So he was at low. So he was on loan at Accrington Stanley the year before last. And then he was on loan at Bolton last year, where he made 45 appearances. So look, he's clearly a, a decent keeper. Didn't concede a single goal in the Euros. You're right, there is. 90 million is madness for a goalkeeper who's never played in the Premier League. The highest level he's played at is League One. It's just fucking mad, mate. Um, and they've got a 20% sell-on clause and a buyback option within that deal. 15, pound, 15 million up front, 4 million in add-ons. It's crazy. He might go on and, and be amazing, but it's a lot of pressure if he's going to be their first-choice goalkeeper. He's 20 Coming into the Premier League, he's only ever played League One football. Big, 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 big balls he will need. Um, but they signed a keeper from Leighton Orient as well, fairly recently. Um, and they had the Kosovo international Murich in goal last year. It's been quite interesting how he, how he does, like, you know, because... It could be a masterstroke, couldn't it? If he keeps, if they stay up next year, and James Trafford is like player of the season, like he has like a De Gea at United season a few years back, where he's just like almost like unbeatable as just saving these ridiculous saves. Great, but like if they go down and he has an average season, I just I question spending that much money on a keeper that young. Who's never played a and never played even championship game, let alone a Premier League game? Crazy, crazy. But Man City just there because of who the manager is and the, and the people behind the scenes are. They, they they've got such a good footballing setup. They are able to sell these academy products for like crazy money. And then you've got United sold Zidane Iqbal for less than a million. He was in their first team squad last year several occasions absolute mental and you've got like alex tellers went to saudi for five million you had yeah who was it galatasaray bid five million for fred a brazilian international who played 20 to 30 gave probably 30 games at least for united last year had a pretty good season And now, look, United were never going to sell him for the, for that. It was quite insulting offer, if I'm honest. I think he'll go to Fulham for about thirty. But, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, City sell well, and I don't know whether it's because they're at the top of the game, but also I think I think a big part of it is that everybody knows that they're behind Pep. They're so well organized, like a well oiled machine, if you excuse the pun, and. They just they just do everything very very well. Um, 
Also, you've got the Women's World Cup going on at the moment. I know I haven't watched any of the games, so I can't really comment. But it looks like there's been a few upsets already in the, the early stages. I will start watching some of the highlights tonight. Um, I think I'm going to do a little video on um, Onana um, over the next week or so because he's the right character. He's had some mad bust-ups and he got banned for like a year for failing a drugs test, I think. And when he was asked, like, how he felt about the nine-month ban, he said, I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> and then uh, apparently he sorted himself out after that 10 arc, gave him the hairdryer. But, like, he, the way he plays, like, he's like an outfield player. He left the World Cup, I think, because he didn't like the Cameroon manager's tactics. Um, he had an on-field fight with Dzeko in a Champions League tie last year. He's had training gown fights. Yeah, it's all sorts of mad shit. So I might do like a little 10-minute video on him next week. I'm looking to do a video on um, Cardiff as well at some point this week. I'm looking at, in a bit more detail at their first choice 11 um, and where they're going to go. I talked about it a bit yesterday. If you, if you haven't seen that, check out yesterday's show. But I kind of brought it up on screen and I said what I think they're going to do. Um I spoke to a few people this week and um if you're picking from the squad they've got now i think he's done quite a good job of giving himself options off the bench very quickly my team would be um all slapping goal gutas and mcguinness as two center backs jamalu collins left with Perry NG right back. What I think you'll find is the way this manager likes to play is you'll have Perry NG will play like an inverted fullback role. So he'll go in alongside. If it was me picking it, it would be uh, Rima Mota and Wintle. And then Perry NG will slip in alongside them. And Jamalu Collins will push up and be the additional man. Um, and then I'd have Ramsey at 10. And O'Dowda and Robinson, either side of him, with Mate through the middle as the target man. But I've heard that that Ugbo is something to behold. He's quite special. And I've also heard that Carlin Grant is pretty good as well. So who knows? Like, you know, maybe um Maybe some of those names will change, but you'd kind of got options for the first time. But I know, like, I've seen a few people saying they'd play Rawls and Wintle as a two behind Ramsey. That's, like, my worst nightmare. That's the one thing I've been saying for weeks. Do not do that. It's got to be Wintle or Rawls. Cannot be them together. Um, so I had Ebo Adams in there. I wasn't just wasn't sure about him. I, I haven't seen a great deal of him and stuff, so I don't know. Um but like you've got Mete, you've got Grant, you've got Ugbo, and you've got Atete there as your four strikers. So I think there's lots of options. It's going to be interesting. Um, interesting. You wouldn't pick um, McGuinness, would you? Alongside Gutas, you'd pick NG. I think NG will go back into the right back role simply because the manager. 
traditionally has played with a, his right back as like an inverted right back. So I think NG best suits that role over Romeo, but you never know. Um, Adams, Wintle, Adalda, Ramsey, Robinson. Yeah, I don't know, but I, the striker is an interesting one because, like I said, they've got four good options. But it's nice to have options for a change. Um, but Ugbo is supposed to be good, mate. Uh, so I've heard. Um, what was that question you sent, Rob, to finish us off? What um, Rob says, stealing this question from TalkSport, but would you watch the Saudi League if it was on mainstream TV? Um, so I wouldn't pay extra. Like, I wouldn't buy Sky Sports to watch it. If I had the channel already, I would likely watch it. So I think he said that the game's on at 2pm and 5pm on a Saturday. So actually, look, if you look at how the Premier League in this country is ridiculously set out, so you have a lunchtime kickoff on a Saturday and then you have a 5, five o'clock kickoff on a Saturday. If they moved that 5 o'clock kickoff to like an 8 o'clock kickoff on a Saturday, it would suit UK fans, wouldn't it? Because you'd have a game on on a Saturday if you're not going to watch your teams play. You'd have a game on Saturday afternoon, then you'd have a game on at five, and then you'd have the Premier League game on at eight. So, like from a money making point of view for Sky and BT, that could actually work well. I'd watch it if it was available. If I was the Saudis, do you know what I would do if I was the Saudis? Is I would try and sell the UK rights to BBC um, or ITV, Channel 4 anything like that, get it on terrestrial TV. There's a massive gap in the market for sport on terrestrial TV. You know, you can't get the ashes on terrestrial TV anymore. You can't get any football on outside of like the FA Cup games and stuff. So if you've got a league like the Saudi league who's trying to grow, to me, that makes the most sense. If you can do some sort of deal with an ITV or a Channel 4 or whatever, I think it's a good gap in the market because people will watch just because the players like, it's a morbid interest in it. And there's a lot of fans around the world, like international fans now, who follow players more than they follow clubs. Like even some of my boys' age, like 14, a lot of them support players over... It's the FIFA generation, where you have things like ultimate teams and stuff. They they support, they follow players rather than they follow teams. Interesting. Uh, Reese said he's looked good in, in uh, pre-season... Hunting down players, really good ball-winning midfielder. Looks like, uh, I think Romeo does well running forward. NG, I really rate him as a centre-back. So, yeah, I like NG as a centre-back. However, and I'm only going on kind of what people I've spoken to and the clips I've watched of Balut's teams. He seems to like his left-back to be the one who gets forward and the right-back to be the one who tucks into the midfield. And that's why I just think... NG is a bit more suited to that because he's technically very good. He's got a bit of pace. He's fit, but he's also quite aggressive and, you know, he can go nicely in with the midfield. I like Jamal Collins. I'm assuming you were on about that Ebo Adams. Um, yeah, it was a weird one, though. I was saying this yesterday. Ebo Adams signed and then didn't play. Like, for he didn't play all season. Was that him or was that someone else? Let me check. Yeah, we kind of like signed him and he's like 27. Obviously, he's a Gambian international and we signed him. 
in like May of last year, and then he just didn't play. And we signed him on a three-year deal, and he's not like a kid, but then he just didn't play any games. Like, I'm sure you guys might be able to tell me, is he like, was he injured or, or was there something going on? I mean, I just don't know. Um, but it just, it's such a strange one. Like, we signed him, obviously, we signed him for Forest Green, so it's always a bit of a punt. Uh, he tore his shoulder and then he came back and injured his leg, legs. Um, we had a rugby and a fitness coach, loads of players suffering major muscular injuries. Yeah, the backroom staff's been a shambles. Um, right, guys, as always, absolute pleasure. Um, spread the word. If you could do me one favour, I would really appreciate it if after this you can go and drop a comment because the the live chat comments don't count as comments in terms of the algorithm, which is a bit frustrating, but it is what it is. Um, and if you're not already, sign up to be a member at patreon.com slash acepodcastnation. So like two quid or something a month. And um, I'm pretty sure if it's not there already, you can do a free trial, like a seven-day free trial now as well. And then you get to join us on a Monday when we put the world to rights. You just ask Rob Boyle in the comments on YouTube or Gaz. It's, uh, it's just a good, jolly time. Um, guys, as always, it is an absolute pleasure. Take care. God bless. Saturday, my story, 12 o'clock. Don't miss it. Sports Social Podcast Network.